0: Welcome back to the 643 Conspiracy. I am your host, Hank. And today I'm proud to introduce your new co-host, Drew. Drew, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? It's good to hey. hear your voice on this Sunday, man.
0: Oh, yeah, brother. It's been a great day over here. Had some nice temperatures. Got my yard mowed. Been hanging out with the family. It's been a really good day. Nice, man. Good to hear it. So... New to the whole podcasting deal as I am, we've been experiencing a little technical difficulties, but nothing we couldn't overcome. We're glad to have this thing going on, and uh, I'm really excited to have you. We're here with me, brother. Uh, I know I can say that if if it couldn't be Ryan, I'd want it to be you, and I think that he would completely approve of us being here doing this in his memory. And I hope that we can just give him a, a little something to be proud of, and you know, get a little kick out of.
1: Oh, absolutely, man, and he's already been missing with us uh, since the beginning of this podcast, so uh, it's going to be awesome. I know he's here with us tonight, and uh, I'm really excited to dive into this, man.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Before we get into anything too serious, I want to take care of a little housekeeping up front. I want to give a big shout out to Ron from New England over at Wicked Planet. Uh, He's reached out, and he's been a huge support. As, as he knows that we've all been going through a lot with the losing Ryan. And I want to give a, a huge shout out to Ghost over at My Third Eye Podcast. He's had me on for two Fridays in a row on his Talk of the Tavern Friday night shows. Uh, you can catch the first episode that I was on there, uh, which would have been last Friday. You can catch it on there now. I think it's his most recent talk. And the episode that I recorded with him this Friday will be live this upcoming week. A uh, big shout out to him for having me on there and allowing me to meet some people and do some networking. It's a, it's a really interesting, cool way to just talk to a bunch of different people and <clears throat> end, ended up getting to conversate with a uh, catalyst Jones from the white rabbit podcast. And he is, is hooking up with ryan dean from dangerous world and they're going to get some equipment together so that we can actually get off of this little uh spotify for podcasters app and get into some actual legitimate audio software and get this thing like for real going i'm pretty excited about that and i just want to say fellows it's more than appreciated what y'all are willing to do for us and i love y'all for it um housekeeping out of the way let's talk a little baseball drew yeah, man. You watch let's it? get into it. You watch any over the weekend? Yeah, man. My Tampa
1: Bay Rays, man. Uh, I mean, besides today, uh, you know, with the uh, Milwaukee coming to town and and kicking our ass today, they they've been they've been pretty good this past week, man.
0: Yeah, I know they've been playing some really hot baseball down there in Tampa. It's been really fun to watch them have a, a really a historic season so far. Oh, absolutely, man! Um,
1: you know the way that they've been just knocking the ball out of the park left and right—it's been awesome. Uh, I think uh, what yesterday they had a three-run home run in the first first inning. Uh, they they've been playing really good baseball, um, but Milwaukee came into town today and they played better baseball. Uh, you know, so uh, and it was actually pretty funny. You know, um, Willie Adamus or Adamus, however the hell you pronounce that dude's name. Uh, he hit a home run and then decided to do a little bit of the Randy, you know, putting his arm up, showing out, running, running the bases. So that was good to see, uh, Milwaukee, you know, kind of show out and, and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, it's great baseball, man. I love watching it. Uh, I can't wait to get over to Tampa and uh, take my dad to one of the ball games. Uh, we, we plan on doing that here in a couple weeks. I know, um, I think uh, this week or next week, I think the Topps truck is going to be showing up either over in Tampa or in Miami. I'm going to have to go check that out.
0: Yeah, dude, that sounds like a blast. You know, uh, traditionally, when you think about Tampa Bay baseball, you don't think about power, it's normally a bunch of, you know, small ball. That's kind of what they modeled themselves over, over the last you know several years is they've really taken that money ball mentality and ran it to the extreme. They will not play, pay a player once he reaches a certain value. Uh, they're constantly flooded with people you have no idea who their names are, but they produce. And it's normally, like I said, when you think about it traditionally, it's normally a bunch of base hits, doubles, triples. It's not really – home runs crazy, you know, Randy Orozarena done a lot to to change that, but he's only one man on the field. But this year you've got uh, Yandy Diaz going. You've got a couple of other uh, players down there in Tampa that are going to pair up with what they've always had, which is above average pitching, both in the rotation and in the bullpen. And it's not a shocker that, you know, with the power showing up like it has this year, that they are off to that big, big start because that was really the only thing keeping them, in my opinion, out of any kind of serious, consistent potential for uh, playing for the playoffs or a potential, uh, potential title was the fact that they never really had those big boppers in their lineup. Now that they've got a couple, you see them sitting on top of the whole league, not just the American league, they're on top of the mountain and they could literally take the rest of the season off and play 500 ball and cruise into the playoffs. It's, it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. It's, it's nothing short of historic. I mean, honestly, the way that they're playing right now, it's kind of ridiculously insane watching it get done. Uh, But like you said, man, they, they, have traditionally gone with the the short ball base hits here and there and yandy diaz man him wander those guys they've just been tearing it up
0: yeah and you you know tampa fans gotta love it uh for for those who listened to our weekend or a midweek sports episode that i came out with on this last wednesday you heard me talking about the Astros a little bit, and I said that I predicted them to go on at least a seven-out-of-nine-game stretch coming into the weekend. They had a three-game home series with the Astros – or not the Astros. They had a three-game home series with the Oakland Athletics, and then starting tomorrow they'll be making their way to Milwaukee to play three games in Milwaukee and then go back to Oakland to play three games. I predicted them to go at least on a a low-end seven-and-two. I, I I seriously put it out there that they could go nine, all nine games, sweep all three series. Uh, going to Milwaukee like Drew just found out today isn't necessarily an easy thing to do. Milwaukee's got potential to pop off when their uh, lineup gets to going and when they get some momentum in their bats. They've always had good pitching, even though they're dealing with Brandon Woodruff being out. They just got Corbin Burns back and he's looking really good. Freddie Peralta is in their lineup doing great things. They've got a couple of young guys that they've called up. And so they've got some good arms. And when their lineup gets to popping, they're a dangerous team. And so that's why I gave the, a, the, the Astros the potential of losing two in Milwaukee. Uh what ended up playing out through the first three games of that nine-game stretch was exactly what I called for. It was the Astros sweeping all three games at home. I will say that I was extremely shocked with how close the athletics kept it yesterday and today. Uh, to start things off, Friday night we had a 5-1 win, and that's going to be the biggest margin of win for the next three game, or two games. Uh, it started off in the first inning when uh, Jose Abreu scored on a Diaz – hit a fielder's choice, Jeremy Pena hit a fielder's choice to Diaz, the shortstop of Oakland. He committed a throwing error, which allowed Jose Abreu to score. In the fourth inning, Kyle Tucker doubles, which scored Jordan. C- uh, Tucker then turns around and homers to right, 360-foot shot over the right field wall. That was a two-run blast scoring Abreu again. Uh, in the eighth inning, Bregman singled to left, and that scored Jake Myers. And that was their offense for the night. Really good showing. Uh, that was Jose Altuve's first game back in the lineup from injury when uh, he got hurt, broke his wrist against USA in the World Baseball Classic. He did go 0-3 that night, but you can't expect much when it's his first night back in the lineup. The pitching staff was really good Friday night. You had Baylock going five innings. With one run, nine strikeouts, and three walks. You really don't like to see those three walks, but you can live with it when you're striking out nine and only giving up one run. Uh, Phil Phil Mayton, Montero, uh, Bobby Abreu, Ryan Presley all made uh, relief appearances in that game, and that set them up for a 3-2 win on Saturday with Jordan really being the – uh, one of the key people in this game. He started it off in the first with a sack flight of center, and that scored Altuve, who had doubled to start the game off. You'd love to see that from Altuve in his second game back from injury. Uh, later in the first, you had Co- uh, Kyle Tucker singling. He seems like he can't get out, and that scored Alex Bregman. And that was all the the uh, Astros could get going offensively until the eighth inning when Erior uh, Don – as Ryan would say, hit a uh, 392-foot blast, and that was it. That was the 3-2 win. Oakland sporadically scored one in the middle innings. Uh, You had Hunter Brown going five innings for the Astros on Saturday. Uh, During those five innings, he only gave up five hits and one run. He had nine strikeouts and no walks. And I really like Hunter Brown. Uh I used to tell Ryan I called him uh Justin Verlander light. <laughs> he he everybody knows that you know, you've seen the the video of him of Hunter Brown and Justin Verlander's pitching mechanics overlaid onto each other. And it's just eerily similar, dude. You can really tell that Verlander rubbed off on Hunter Brown a lot while Verlander was up with the team last year. Uh with the pitching staff all uh, coming off of – or the bullpen coming in in the sixth inning, taking over for Hunter Brown, who had a great start. Ryan Stanek and went – Ryan Stanek went one inning. Nestor Harris, Hector Nearest, excuse me, ends up going two innings and picks up a win. Ryan Presley ends up with the save, his eighth of the season. So that was a three-two win Saturday, which set up a potential sweep on Sunday, where the Astros end up coming out on top two to zero. Uh, Framber Valdez, God bless you, my man. Um, he went out there and he threw a complete nine-inning shutout in Ryan's memory, and you can't change my mind. He knew that our homeboy had moved on, and he said, "I'm going out here and I'm going to make a statement for Ryan." And that's exactly what Framber did. Drew, you know Ryan; he loved Framber. Uh absolutely Frambert, man. Framberg's nasty for the last two, three years straight. He showed out all of last year, really shined in the postseason, and he did it again here today. Um and it really was an early pitchers duel between Framber Valdez and Caprian of the Athletics. Uh, it was tied at zero until the fifth inning when a Jose Altuve single. Of course, it's gonna be Jose on Ryan's day that hits uh, a single that scored Jake Myers and Myers was another cat that Ryan loved to talk about. He was one of those young plug and play players that have really been up on the team more of out of necessity than anything. But uh, that was, that was in the fifth inning that broke the, the, the pitchers duel up Jordan doubles off doubles to lead off the home half of the sixth inning. And uh, that was followed by Jose Abreu walk. And I know a lot of people haven't been too happy with Jose Abreu, but give him some time. Uh, this, is, this is the time of year when the players that are supposed to start showing up and showing out, they start showing up and showing out. And it looks like Jose Abreu is starting to wake up for the Houston Astros. Um, so after his walk, you get Kyle Tucker back up to the plate, and he's looking for damage, but he only – Musters out a fielder's choice, which moves Jordan to third, who all uh, who ended up actually scoring on that play on a wild pitch. With uh, Framber going to complete nine innings in this third game, this bullpen is looking extremely good for the upcoming series in Milwaukee. Uh, they didn't really have to use. Many of their players, Presley pitched in back-to-back days, uh, Friday and Saturday, so he really needed today off. He probably wouldn't have pitched today even unless it was just an absolute dire emergency in the seventeenth inning or something. But the the with 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 Framber going all nine today, he really allowed that bullpen to get an extra day of rest and. Head into Milwaukee a little fresher than they would have been, and I'm just saying, ladies and gentlemen, I called it. I I'm surprised that the Saturday and Sunday wins were three-two and two-zero respectively, but a win is a win. It doesn't matter if you win eighteen to one or five to one or two to nothing or one to nothing. It's all a win at the end of the year, and the Astros are really picking up some steam headed into Milwaukee, and I'm looking look forward to watching and seeing what they do. I actually need them to go in and sweep Milwaukee because the Cardinals have come to life out of nowhere. We've won 11 of our last 14 games. We just took three out of four from the Dodgers, and we're looking good. We're looking scary good up there in St. Louis. Our pitching is starting to actually solidify just a little bit. The bullpen, not so much, but we've really had seen Jack Flaherty settle down, seen Miles Michaelis settle, settle down. And as long as we can get either Jordan Montgomery or Steven Matz to just give us five, six innings and not give up seven runs, we're going to be okay because this offense today just scored ten runs against the Dodgers with Kershaw going. We we forced Kershaw out after three and two-thirds innings, and that was the shortest outing of his career. The Cardinals are coming to play. Last week, when I made my, you know, predictions about what was happening, the Cardinals were about 14, 15 games out of the division lead. As I'm talking right now, we are five games out
1: with a potential. They're on a, a streak,
0: man, and they, they, yes, they're kicking are. ass. It's really been amazing to see. I was. It all started a few nights ago when Paul Goldschmidt had enough and he went off on a two-homer game. We haven't really looked back since. I was really scared with how the team was handling the Wilson Contreras situation. I did not like that. I, I, I still do not think that relying on the, bull, the arms that we have in our rotation and bullpen is the move. We have to go get somebody why don't we go get Lucas Giolito? The White Sox aren't going to do anything this year. Giolito would come over here and instantly be our third best pitcher, if not the best, because Miles Michaelis and and Jack Flaherty aren't just – they're not Nolan Ryan, Pedro Martinez, Randy Johnson, scare you just off of their name type pitchers. They have to go out there and work for it. I mean, Jack didn't last but five and two-thirds today, and he ended up throwing 103 pitches. He only led up like two runs, but still, we don't have an ace. We need pitchers. We need somebody in that bullpen that can go out there besides Giovanni Gallegos and actually go get a scoreless inning for a save if we're ever in a save opportunity. But things are looking good in St. Louis. I'm, I'm happy with where things are at, and with the Astros going into Milwaukee, uh, I don't can I don't know where the Cardinals next series is. I want to say it might be with the Reds, but we could actually be within two games of taking the lead if the Cardinals win their next three and the Astros go and sweep the or the the Brewers. That would that would be really awesome if the Astros could show out in Milwaukee. St. Louis would greatly appreciate that.
1: I would greatly appreciate that as well, especially after today's loss. (laughs) But, uh, uh, Hank, yeah, the Cardinals are going uh, to Cincinnati tomorrow. They play the Reds. They're there for the next couple of games, and then they go. It looks like they go into the the Guardians over in Cleveland
0: next. That's going to be a fun series. The Cardinals versus Guardian, that's in Cleveland? Yes, it is. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun series. I'm looking forward to seeing how we handle their offense because they're another one of those offenses that just play small ball and they play it so well and they have really good arms over there. Uh, Everybody should know who Justin – not Justin, Shane Bieber is –
1: I mean, hey, everybody was,
0: knows who Justin Bieber is. too.
1: <laughs> it, it, it's okay, Hank. You uh, you've got the Bieber fever. It's no big deal. We, it's it's
0: fine. I just told <laughs> I just told him myself.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Shane Bieber's been one of their uh, hottest pitchers for the last five, two, three, four years. I can't. I don't. I can't. I don't think he's been in the league. Has he? Has Shane Bieber been in the league for five years yet?
1: Oh man, I
0: don't know. But uh, I don't where, think where he, he has.
1: We're he's really, the, really uh, there. The
0: he's Google another pitcher.
1: That,
0: yeah, he's he was another pitcher that I kept expecting St. Louis to try to make plays for during the offseason, and I would love to get uh, Shane Bieber in our rotation now. He would automatically be the ace. He'd actually be the first solidified ace that I can think of the Cardinals having since Chris Carpenter back in the earlier 2000s. Let's see. He was drafted
1: by in 2016. It looks like he was called up in his first game in the major leagues it was 2018.
0: So just about so five years. Yeah, okay. So that makes sense. He's about five years in, and he's he's one of the better pitchers in the league. Easily. Uh, he's he's fun to watch. I'm I'm hoping he gets to start against the Cardinals, so I can watch him. He, that's going to be a fun series. Absolutely, it's definitely
1: going to be good. Yes, sir. I think so uh, after, the, after this series with the Brewers, let me see where the Rays go next. I forget. I just had everything all pulled up. But you know how technology works.
0: Oh, yeah. This has definitely been a fun season, though, starting out. It, it's been a lot of unexpected teams showing out. Uh, the Pirates have come back down to earth. I was really impressed with them early on. Uh, the Cubs looked like they had a chance to get going, and that's kind of fizzled out. Uh, the Rockies are actually doing a, a lot over there, but they're just in a hell division where they can't catch a break. They have to play perfect ball, or or else they won't have a chance to even make a wild card just because of the division they're in. But you've got a lot of surprising teams this year.
1: Yeah, I hope the Rockies can uh, turn it up a little bit, only because uh, I hope my Brian Servant auto that I – i sent out to sgc kind of raises up in price if you know what i mean (laughs) there you go uh but yeah it looks like uh tampa bay we got the blue jays coming into town next uh they come into town tomorrow they play us for a couple days and then we got the we host the dodgers after that and then we go up to chicago to the cubbies that'll be a good season
0: i mean i think those are Three three series that are extremely winnable for the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, we just took three or four from the Dodgers. Uh, the 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 Blue A- or the Toronto is not doing too hot right now. They're they're having some troubles up there. I've been seeing people call for their manager's head. They want him gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know me. what's
1: going on up there, man. I
0: you don't know, know that, either. They, they they're they one of those blood. teams that has really surprised me for falling out flat because with the names that they have on their roster, there's no excuse for them playing the mediocre ball that they are.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, uh, I think that's enough baseball for right now. I think uh, you ready to dive into this whole uh, topic for the night.
0: Yes, sir. Let's get into it. So while we're really here on this nice Sunday evening is to talk about the the, the planet that we're living on, Earth, is it round? Is it flat? Is it a, a, a pancake? Is it more of like a dome? You know, there's a lot of different interesting theories out there. Uh, really, from my point of view, the reason why I wanted to talk about this isn't really to make anybody believe it's one or the other. It's really more or less to get people to realize it's not what we're being told. And I can come up with some easy, simple ways that just about everybody should be able to do this, do these uh, tests themselves and come to the realization, hopefully, that. I don't know if it's flat or round, but it's damn sure not the ball that we've been taught and what NASA says and what the government says that we're on. So to me one of the easiest ways to disprove the globe Earth model is to talk about the actual curvature and that formula that they want to give for you. And I'm not a mathematician by any means, and I really don't understand how to read this equation. I, I, I mean, there's, there's several different ones, and they're all very complicated. But basically what it comes down to is that for every mile of Earth, There should be roughly uh, just over a half a foot of curve. And it can get crazy with these big numbers, so I want to keep it small. We'll talk about 10 miles and shorter, because most of us can, at one point in time, we can find somewhere where you can physically see 10 miles down the road. I live in the flatlands of northeast Arkansas, and I can tell you, I can see a lot further than 10 miles away. And I know these objects that I'm seeing are actually that far away because I've lived here for almost 25, 26 years. I know this land down to a T when I tell you that from from my mom's house in Wilson, when I'm looking at something in Osceola, as the bird flies, it's over 10 miles away. But I can see it. But it's really hard to understand how I can see it when at 10 miles the the, the 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 formula for the curvature of the earth says that there should be over 66 and a half feet of curve between me and the object that's 10 miles away. You can see 66 and a half feet of curve. That's a significant mound in your way. But it's not there, Drew. It's not there. You can see it flat. There's nothing impeding your view.
1: Yeah, man. I I don't know, man. I've been up in planes. I walk outside. I look up. The freaking earth kind of looks around to me, man.
0: (laughs) See, so, I've been up in a plane, and I will say, in my own defense, that I wasn't up that high because I took off in Memphis and I landed in Chicago. It's not a very long flight, no, so man. there really wasn't that need to to get up that big. But even even at the heights, I, I, I'm a, what is a, a standard flight get up to about thirty thousand feet. That's about you know average yeah, cruising height. thirty so, forty thousand
1: 40,000 feet, somewhere around there. So
0: let's say that my flight only got up 20,000. I don't really know, but I'm just, I know it didn't get up as high as normal commercial flights normally get. I didn't see a curve. I, I, yeah. I didn't. And, and, and I may not have been up high enough, but given the the math that, that we're given by NASA and the government, you should definitely see it yeah. according to nope. their math. You can see it at five miles. Right. Apparently you're, you're supposed to be able to see at five miles, six, 16 and a half feet of curve. That's taller than your average one story house or just as tall, but it's not there. That's their own numbers that they're giving us. And, I, I, I Like you said, I, it might be round. But if it is, it's a lot bigger than what they're telling us.
1: Oh, 100%. And Absolutely. if it's a
0: lot bigger, that makes you wonder what else is out there on this planet. And that's where a lot of people lean into the extra lands or mini lands theory, which goes back to Project High Jump back in the, the 20s and 30s, uh, the Navy Admiral Byrd did several expedition uh, trips down to Antarctica and also to the North Pole. And for anybody that hasn't heard of Admiral Byrd's findings, he has a journal out there that you can go read. You can pull up clips on YouTube of him appearing on national television, on talk shows, talking about what him and his men saw at both the North and South Pole. And and, and ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't a globe. According to Admiral Byrd, we are living within a ring of ice. Antarctica is not a continent, but it is merely a wall that encompasses what we know as the globe. And that there are potentially thousands of more continents outside of this ice wall. He claimed that when he flew over the North Pole, that somehow he had gotten to the other side of the ice wall and that he saw a continent that was bigger than America full of resources. Wow. I, I don't know whether Admiral Byrd was serious or not, but I don't know of anybody that early in telecommunication history going on TV. Why a admiral, a legitimate Admiral of the Navy would go on TV and say these ridiculous things on a whim. But you can watch him, watch his face. He wasn't bullshitting, man. He was being very serious about the things he saw. You can still find like I said, you can find his his journal out there. And his journal's very deep. I highly encourage everybody to go find his journal. Look into Project High Jump. Look into Admiral Byrd. Look in, look into why you can't go to Antarctica. If you as a private citizen were to charter a boat and try to go south at the 60th parallel, you will be turned around by military force. They That's will insane. not allow That's you insane. down. There. there is one tiny peninsula that is the closest piece of Antarctica that is uh, it's the piece of Antarctica that's almost touching the tip of South, uh, South America right. there is a tiny peninsula and that is where every bit of tourism and attraction that the public is opened up to and to in Antarctica you are legally and militarily opposed from stepping foot on any other piece of Antarctica why?
1: and why does it cost me uh, like $25,000 to get down there?
0: Because they don't want it overrun. If it was available, if it was cheap and free, everybody, you know, if it was more easy, if it was it cost as much as going to Disneyland, everybody would be down there. Right. And if every, exactly. If everybody was down there, then your secret gets a lot harder to keep a secret. Whether that secret is there's an opening to Hollow Earth in Antarctica, Whether that secret is Antarctica is really this ice wall, I don't know. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I would love to be able to find it again. But I was watching this YouTube video, you know, yesterday after you sent me down the rabbit hole of flat earth, round earth uh, stuff with that level with me YouTube video, which I highly recommend if you guys haven't seen it yet to watch it. Um, I think it actually comes out on YouTube officially tomorrow. Yes. Uh, but you you can see the, the bootleg version that is up there right now. It, it's very good, man. And there's definitely a lot of stuff that makes you think. But where I was going with it, there's another video. And there's a scientist at NASA. Now, mind you, this is a scientist at NASA, right? This is the guy that they want us to see. The guy that they're putting out on the front lines. The guy that they're telling us is, you know, the scientist, right? He... Was talking about Antarctica and talking about the thousands of lakes and other things that they believe and they have studied because you know the bullshit that they've gone down and shown their radar and whatever and seen that there are all kinds of lakes and other continents and other things under Antarctica. And this is on YouTube, and the guy's telling you about it. It's like everything else, man, everything is hidden in plain sight.
0: Yep. Yep. And see, before I started doing research into this whole flat earth thing, which, of course, I've known of, of the, about this argument for at least 10 years. They're able to get away with hiding it in plain sight, because when you go and talk to your average Joe and you say, hey, man, you think the earth could be flat? They're going to laugh you out of town. <laughs> oh, I, I brother, I I talked about that earlier with my
1: wife uh just be before we started this episode, man. I was talking to her out on the porch and I was like, Yeah, babe, we're gonna be talking about uh flat Earth tonight. And she looked at me like I had six heads and yep. was like, What the fuck are you
0: talking about? Yeah. And think about it, it makes kind of sense. We've been ever since we have entered into this Rockefeller Established education system, what have we been taught? That we're living on a globe, that oh. this globe is hurling through space as we're rotating around as a galaxy. We're rotating around the sun that's rotating in this galaxy that's rotating infinitely through space
1: at 17,890
0: something miles an hour. True, let me ask you something. If you go outside tonight and you can see the stars. How come the stars are in the same position that they're always in? Like, I don't mean in relative to your perspective of them. I mean, why are constellations still constellations? Why are, why are stars seemingly fixed? How can the Big Dipper stay in the Big Dipper shape if we're doing this dance through space at 17,000 miles an hour? what sense does that make
1: yeah i've gone outside and i can look at orion's belt and besides it you know being a little bit different here and there because i definitely feel like the earth definitely is rotating or moving because you can look up in the sky and and i've seen the position of orion's belt is not necessarily a hundred percent in the same spot
0: well, yeah, that's one thing that's so confusing about all this is right. because you can you can track ast- the the you can track the progression of the sun and the stars and the moon from date like that, that's how we get to our solstices. Right. Absolutely. And so it it, it, it it it's almost like you spend half of your time contradicting yourself with information because you look into this flat earth subject and there's so many points that get brought to you like, damn, that's really hard to dispute. But then you think I can sit here myself and make a sundial based off of what the sun's doing above my head. Right. Which they say that that's still that the, that the, progression of the sun and stars and the moon that that can all still be true within a flat earth model but is I mean I don't I'm at the the point man
1: where I I don't know I I can't figure anything out man I don't know what we're on no absolutely not you look outside and the sun appears to be this giant ball Right, it looks like a mm-hmm. big circle to me. So does the damn moon when you're looking at it. It looks like a yep. circle. And when you're looking at eclipses and everything else, I remember, you know, being in elementary school, and I'm sure you did it too. You sit outside and you make the little things so you could see the eclipse. And oh my yep. gosh, that always looked round. If we're on a flat Earth, or you know this this flat surface, then why is there a round shadow?
0: You see that, <laughs> right? these are really Good arguments, and see, right. I, and These are all these
1: I, are all things that that you know I haven't heard definitively one way or the other,
0: right? And that's why I wanted to preface all of this before we jumped into this by saying that it's not my intention to make anyone believe that we're on a flat Earth or not. My intention is to make you question what you've been taught because according to the math that we've been given it's it, it can't be the math dif- disputes itself it refutes itself it defeats itself their math is wrong and that's just something that I can't get over oh yeah to me to me, to me that's the and maybe it's because I've spent my whole life in the flatlands Right. Well, I just, uh, Listen, brother, I,
1: I live in Florida, man. We're as flat as possible, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm damn near sea level, right? And that's the other thing is I've also gone out to sea. I've gone, I, you know, I grew up down here. I grew up in the water. I'm 38 years old. I've been fishing. I've been out on boats. I've been out in sailboats. I've been out on powerboats. I've been out on everything. And when you're out sailing, you know, and, and a boat goes further away, it looks as though it's kind of going over a curve, right? Because you start to see the first, you start to see the mass and then as it goes away, everything starts to disappear. Yep. And, and the same thing with the sunset and the sunrise I've sat, you know, uh, uh, my wife and I, a few years ago, we went to Antigua. And when we were in Antigua, we watched the sunset. And you watch it completely disappear behind a flat fricking horizon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so <laughs> but I'm kinda glad you mentioned the water because I wanted to ask you if you've ever done the experiment with setting a, up a camera on the water's edge of watching a boat disappear and then zooming after it gets, you know, let the boat sail off for two, three hours. And then they make the, you know, they make cameras powerful enough to zoom back in and you can pull that boat back into focus. Uh, I don't doubt it, man. And what? What the reason why we perceive uh, a boat vanishing over the horizon the way we do is because our eyes have a natural vanishing point. We are only we are limited as a human being to a certain distance that we can see naturally. Everybody's got a little difference, but there's a there's an average distance. I don't know what that number is, but. After a certain point, every single human that has an eyeball that can see every object eventually vanishes in the middle of our sight if we're looking directly at it. But that's just the way that the cones and the spheres and the other shit in our eyes made up. Because a camera can prove that as we... Perceive something is going over the horizon, you put a camera on it and zoom it back in and it's there. Right. How can it be there if it went over a curve? You telling me that camera went around the curve?
1: But how can I take my telescope out in my backyard and look up and see a round moon?
0: And see, that's something that I have personal experience with when I was a kid in the fourth grade, I had a best friend that lived in a town about 5 minutes south of south of me. His neighbor was a retired NASA employee and he had a really amazing telescope. And I remember looking through his telescope through different colored filters and being able to see some of the most amazing things. I I don't I don't I'm not one of those people that think that space is unobtainable. Maybe we can get there. Maybe we can't. There's a, a a huge argument that there's a firmament above the earth. Yeah. I, and I'm sure you've heard your fair share of firmament talks over the last couple of days, looking into all of this, but basically what the premise around it all is, is that there is a layer of water above our atmosphere and that is outer space. And it's a really interesting concept to think about because you can look up SpaceX rocket launch videos, and the, especially the ones at nighttime have me just really baffled because you watch them go up and then it looks like they hit something. It almost looks like a boat it, in the water. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, Absolutely, brother. Listen, I, I live about an hour and a half away from the Cape. Okay. Oh my Uh, God. I
0: bet you've seen some crazy shit.
1: So, I mean, I, I can go back every time I've seen a rocket launch and I've driven up and watched, you know, from damn near close, you know, um, outside in, 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 Sebastian and whatnot. Um, and the rockets, you know, and, it, and it's just like they talked about in that, that video. And When you watch, it doesn't go straight up. No. It goes on a curve.
0: Yeah, watch. it almost makes a, ho- a horseshoe. It almost project- makes
1: a horseshoe. And every single one of these rockets, and they all get so excited about it when it happens, explode. Yep. I have not seen one that has gone up and not exploded or something happened to it why if there's not some kind of a, a firmament or some kind of a force field whatever you want to call it whether you want to believe that you know there is some kind of
0: creator and he's the one that did it or not why it makes you wonder and uh for anybody that 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 is even remotely curious about what we're talking about. Look up SpaceX launches at night and just watch them. Allow yourself to think with an open mind and watch what you see happens when these rockets reach a certain elevation. It looks as though as if they hit something. And not only do they hit something, it looks as though they hit something that isn't solid, but it's solid enough to repel them. And you actually see waves of something up there yeah it it
1: definitely looks like especially you know uh seeing it here and just looking up it it looks like i i can't explain it 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 sounds like you know you you did it justice there with the waves it's almost as if there are waves moving again away from it or or something and who the hell knows
0: man and isn't it funny that the colors that you see remind you of the bioluminescence organisms that you see on some of these uh, random beaches that'll turn blue when you step on them or whatever it is? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's wild, man. Um, if you have an hour out of your time, ladies and gentlemen, you would be doing yourself a favor by looking up on YouTube the movie Level With Me. Um, like Drew said, the, the actual movie itself, non-bootleg version, is being released. I think it's, like you said, either tomorrow or it's this week for sure. But that movie, it, it's really hard to, to lead, watch that movie and then think that we're still on a ball. It's really hard. They have found the passengers of the Challenger shuttle that exploded in the 80s. The famous shuttle that everybody watched live because we were sending a teacher to space. And then we found out that, oh, no, that tragically all died. But, But there are people alive right now that have the same name except for a couple of them. They actually go by their brother's name, but they have their same faces. And for the most part have jobs talking about things that deeply intertwine with aeronautics and astrology and ultimately NASA. And it's really interesting to watch these people's reaction when they get called out on potentially being the, original passengers from the Challenger spaceship shuttle. It is not an if, – if you think back to our first episode that Ryan and I did when we talked about PSYOPs, and a PSYOP is a psychological operation, a mind-control game. What can we do to gain control over you? Oh, well, we can have you believe that you're on a ball. Yep. We can have you believe that these people died. We can have you believe that it's okay to be gay. We can have you believe that it's okay to cut your little boy's dick off and turn him into a girl. We can have you believe that it's okay for pedophilia to be not only recognized and normalized, but lawfully legalized. Ladies and gentlemen, this flat earth is not the end-all be-all when it comes to a conspiracy. But it's a very important one, because if you can realize that you have been lied to about the rock that you live on, they will lie to you about everything. Everything. Down to the water safe that we tell you to drink, the TV safe that we tell you to watch and listen to, that the politician on the other side of the aisle is the bad man and everybody that believes like he does is bad people. It's all a ploy for division and control because as long as we're looking at each other, pointing fingers at each other, fighting with each other, we're not looking at them and we're not trying to overthrow them in their tyrannical ways.
1: We're too busy worrying about if the earth is round or flat and they're putting together the new world order right under our eyes.
0: It's happening. It's happening. And the crazy thing is, brother, is we have the, the God given right as American citizens to march armed on the Capitol and overthrow all of them. But we won't do it. We won't do it because we're too busy fighting each other. And that's what they want. That's where the PSYOP ultimately is coming to fruition because we don't call them out on their bullshit. We call each other out over nothing. At the end of the day, I don't care whether the earth is flat. I don't care whether the earth is a ball. I do care that they're lying to us about what it is. They're lying to us about everything. If, if there are other lands out there, I would like to know because there's a theory out there that the Atlanteans and the, Hy- the Hyperboreans, which was a, uh, another mythologically advanced civilization that was uh, shortly after the time of the Atlanteans, that they are actually still a functioning civilization. It's just they live outside the ice wall. And that what we know is the globe is just a tiny part of what we're actually living on. It, it's really just a lot to make you think about. But understanding that you're being lied to is really the most important thing about all this. I don't oh. care what anyone chooses to believe, but you've got to believe that you're being lied to.
1: Absolutely, man. I mean, <laughs> you know, going back to, you know, space and NASA and all that stuff, NASA, man. And I, I've been to the Kennedy space center. My kids just went to the Kennedy space center, man. It's this big giant place. They've, they've got everything. They purport uh, these astronauts to be bigger than fricking life, man. Right. They put all of them on a pedestal and, and, you know, you watch that documentary uh, level with me and you see that one guy, he approaches uh, one of the astronauts and he just asks, Hey, how come it looks like in some of these spacewalks and some of these things that they're holding on to some kind of wire, making them spin around?
0: Oh, and her head just damn near explodes. Her, and,
1: and did you hear her admit, oh yeah, they, they probably have
0: something like that. Yeah, they, her. I think her reasoning in so many words was... Yeah, they've probably figured out over time that they need to need something to help keep the astronauts in space for inter or keep them still for interviews right. and stuff. Right. Uh huh. Oh, uh huh. It's it's uh, it's been put out. It's actually been exposed that all of the NASA video that we see of people supposedly working on the ISS and stuff is actually filmed in Houston, Texas. It's all underwater. They oh. have an exact, exact, exact replica shit of the ISS that is in a humongous pool. And they do all of these tests and they do all of their quote-unquote training films in this underwater setting. And that's where you get harnesses and bubbles there are so many bubble bubbles or videos from NASA where there's actually bubbles caught on stream. But how can there be bubbles in space? Right. There's a video exactly. of a mouse crawling out of a, one of the one of the parts of the spaceship. There's a freaking mouse crawling out of it. <laughs> like come <laughs> on, man! Come on. Well, it's you know not, that was uh, he just escaped not from real. his
1: cage from one of the experiments. That the, oh yeah, and he's just you know chilling.
0: He's just chilling. He's chilling sixty million miles above the earth. And you know, they also in Level With Me brought up another good point. These flights are so we're told ex- they're excruciatingly scrutinized. Every nut and bolt has to be accounted for, or the the craft will never make it out of orbit. Or, you know, so they say, or, you know, a pound more can change the trajectory for a launch. Right. But what do we see these astronauts up there doing? Playing guitars? Running around in gorilla suits? Playing other instruments? There was a dude with a set of bagpipes up there. Like, if, if, if it's really a life or death situation where you could explode and die because you miscalculated the weight of what you had on board right exactly really think that'd be bullshitting with gorilla suits and instruments right you have
1: this space station that's supposedly hurling through space at you know 60,000 miles an hour and it doesn't hit a freaking satellite
0: how is that possible thank you how how are any of the
1: satellites
0: we're talking more satellites up there than boats in the water at any given time. Right. How There's... does that? See, the, the, the things that they put out there for us to digest defeat their own arguments. It's just they, they put their chips on we're either too stupid to recognize what's going on, or at least the majority of people will just, they're not going to believe anything other than what they've been told, because what they've been told is what they've been told. You have a whole chunk of this population. You could smack them in the face with a a bit of truth. And as long as it contradicts what they were taught from a child's age, they will not believe it. You know people like that.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: If If the sky was literally purple outside, and I, I found somebody that, no, the sky is blue. I'm like, no, but come outside. It's, it's, it's purple. No, the sky is blue. Sky's blue. Take them outside. See, look, that's, that's not purple. That's just a different shade of blue. There's people that are going to come, come up with any excuse to not open their mind up to accept the fact that they might just be wrong. You might have just been lied to your whole life. And that's okay. Under Coming to a realization that you've been lied to, coming to a realization that what you have believed for 40, 50, 60, 30, whatever, however long how old you are, it's okay to, to be wrong. That's what I'm hoping somebody gets from this episode is that, damn, I've been lied to. And they get pissed off about it and go find out what else they're lying to you about. If you can understand that you've been lied to about what you live on as a human, everything that you do going forward gets a lot easier for you as far as understanding that you're being lied to, seeing what the lies are. If if you aren't willing to have an open mind and have an adaptability about yourself Then honestly you've wasted 55, 56 minutes of your life listening to this. I'm sorry. I hope that nobody reaches this point of the episode and finds themselves one of those people. You have to be willing to accept the fact that you might just be wrong. I'm willing to accept the fact that every single thing that I've said in these last 56 minutes, even about the baseball games that I know are statistically factual, it might be wrong because somebody put that information on ESPN for me to write down on my notepad and they could have put that information in wrong. And, and if that's the case, then what am I supposed to do? No, no. What I told y'all happened in, in Houston this weekend. That's what happened. Regardless of the fact that it, that it, somebody could prove me, no, Hank, that, that game didn't end five to one. It actually ended six to three. No, man, they told me it was five to one. So that's, it's five to one. You, you know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. You have to be willing to adjust and adapt. It, it's just part of survival. Absolutely, man. And it goes
1: without saying you have to be able to, you know, adapt, overcome, because otherwise, like you said, you're not going to be able to survive.
0: Think about this if the earth is spinning, like we're told it is. How can a helicopter hover above a fixed point on Earth and use his instruments to verify that he's not moving? How come the Earth doesn't spin out from underneath him? Hmm? Huh? Huh? Exactly. How, come, how come a helicopter can go straight up, hover for 30 minutes and then go straight back down exactly where he was without having to move the stick to follow the earth? How come when an airplane pilot comes to land, he doesn't have to land cockeyed to chase a rotating runway away from him? How come he can just go down and land? You ask pilots these questions, they will tell you themselves. They're not chasing a runway, they're just landing. The Earth doesn't spin out from underneath them. It's it's just there. There, There's actually, go to reference level with me again, there's uh, three or four different clips of different pilots while they're on their airplanes, mind you. That they're either about to or just got done flying. Look at these people with a straight face and say the earth is not curved. I've never seen any curvature. I mean, these are professional pilots that one guy I know for sure said he had over 30 years of skin in the game. And he said that the earth ain't curved. Neil deGrasse Tyson said it. You heard that. I sent you and and that blew my mind, Drew. When
1: Brother, is, is there any way you I, can pull I, that
0: I, video up and play that clip right now? Yeah, absolutely. So you sent oh, it to me on, uh, on Messenger, oh, right? Look, if, yeah, if there's any way you could skip the first half of it to when Neil starts talking, that would be great. Because, well, I mean, what the, what the guy says to begin with is really good information, too. But when Neil deGrasse Tyson, the scientist prophet on Earth that we have right now, we look at Neil deGrasse Tyson – Like he is some sort of demigod of knowledge, some bastion of truth when it comes to scientific know-how. And I heard him say that the earth is not curved because he refuses to publicly debate flat earth. Sean Hibbler, the man who produced level with me set up a flat earth debate between Neil deGrasse Tyson and another fellow and Neil deGrasse Tyson kept backing out, refused to have the debate.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you, Hank, I'm going to press play on this video. Can you hear it or no? I'm not hearing anything yet. Okay. So I'm probably because I've got my headphones. What I'll probably have to do is I'll probably move my microphone and, uh, change the speakers around and and do it. You keep talking
0: while I figure this out. All right. So what he's getting ready to play is uh, a clip I found on Facebook a couple of days ago that has Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about Flat Earth. And you can watch several videos. If you get on Facebook and go to your video segments, you can watch Neil deGrasse Tyson video after Neil deGrasse Tyson video explaining – round earth. Um, this blew my mind when I found this video. Yeah.
1: So this and, video is, it's actually uh, showing different camera views from the Red Bull Stratus jump, right? That's the video. That's, that's where it that starts where off. Yeah. yeah. So that's what it, that's what it starts on. And so it to, goes
0: through, Do you remember about how far in that? Uh, I want to say, because I want to say that they go through the Red Bull clips and then they go through this second clip of another rocket that supposedly hits the firmament. Right. That might be another video. I think that's the same video. I think that is I- another video. Yeah. Okay. I got it. We're, we're at like six, six yeah, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it was about five, six minutes into it. All right. I'll start. But uh, mentioning the Red Bull. So everybody. If you can remember back, what was that about ten years ago when that happened? Uh, it might not have been that long ago, but the the guy that went up on a balloon and this little cockpit deal, he had a spacesuit on and he went to quote unquote the edge of space and then jumped off and free fell back to Earth. Sponsored by Red Bull, they did two test flights where he went up and jumped before they did the televised version. In their own footage, they did not use cameras that had fisheye lenses on the two test flights. Of the footage of those test flights, if you look out of the windows of the cockpit that this guy is standing in, there is no curve to the earth. But then all of a sudden, on the nationally televised broadcast, they have these cameras come out of nowhere with these fisheye lenses a- equipped to them. And now the earth has this greatly exaggerated uh, curve. And not right. only does the- it have this massive curve, it's now uh, this, this, I call it NASA blue because it's this shade of blue that they put on the earth that makes it look really fake. Really right. out of place. The color of the earth from the test subjects, it's, it's almost like uh, a, a smoke, a tobacco-stained piece of paper. It's this really dingy yellow, really just desert-looking color, because that's where they did this was over the desert. But when they go to the nationally televised broadcast, it's all of a sudden this massive ball, clearly a ball, with this just really weird looking blue hue to it. And it doesn't look right. Right. But after that part of the video is where Neil deGrasse Tyson comes in.
1: Yeah. So I think I got it pulled up now. He's up on stage and he is just, he's talking about flat earth.
0: Are you playing it? Can you hear it? No, not yet. And we're right
1: back into it. Sorry, I messed that up, man. I didn't. No, it's okay. Our our listeners' headphones uh, would jack that up.
0: No, it's okay. I should have told you not to pull your headphones out. Uh, Our listeners, brother, they won't hear uh, much of a pause. It'll it'll end like the the audio will stop from me talking and then pick up with us again. Like they won't notice. Nothing Perfect. too bad except for Perfect. that we're not playing the Neil deGrasse Tyson video right now, which is what they thought they were going to be hearing. Yeah, but like you know, we're going to figure have, this
1: shit out. We're
0: yeah, gonna we're going to get
1: out. there. Oh, I, I, um, you know, I, we're I not, got a computer and I got some audio software too, man. Uh, yeah, a and I'm i and stuff, so I'm excited.
0: We're going to make with, this thing with sound amazing with the amazing generosity of a couple of other podcasters, they're willing to uh, donate some equipment to the cause. And so we won't be using this little app that I'm using for this podcast builder anymore. Once we get the, that equipment in and I can figure out how to do it uh, on my end, we'll actually have a legitimate, nice sound with intro, outro, uh, will be able to play external clips of videos and stuff like that. I, I, I sincerely apologize to the people that were really invested to the Neil deGrasse Tyson video. Um, I will try to put it up on the Facebook page for anybody that wants to watch it. It's really interesting. Yeah, um,
1: absolutely, because he talks about it, and he specifically says, and and I'm just going to kind of – Uh, Read what he What he says I'll just I'll play it And I'm gonna Yeah I'll I'll, I'll say what he says
0: It's really interesting stuff
1: Oh absolutely So he's talking about You know Alex Baumgartner Is going up there In the edge of space Right Right And you know, he says, you know, I don't have a problem with it if he does it. But the honesty of it would greatly diminish what I actually think he was doing. And not only that, but they make sure to show everything with these wide angle lenses that yes. make the flat Earth curved. And he says <laughs> specifically, he says, "He's uh, look at it. He's up in space. No, he's not. That yes. Stuff below him is flat. What? Yep. Why, why are you saying that, Neil? If if the Earth is round, brother, and you and you've said specifically, and you go on all these YouTube videos, and you say, "Listen, I, I won't even talk about it. The Earth is round." Next subject. Then why did you just say the Earth is flat?
0: He knew he messed up. <laughs> He it's knew he crazy. messed up. It's all crazy, he, man. It's that is crazy. that is legitimately drew the only clip that I know of that Neil deGrasse Tyson say the Earth is not curved. Right. I know. I've, I wanna, I've, I've never heard that, him no, say that
1: because I've listened to that man, dude. I listened to him and Bill Nye the Science Guy all the time when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. And, man. and growing up, man, listen to this guy a hundred percent. I always, uh, he was one of the guys that you look up to as a scientist. Yeah, you know, and and you know, so you you expect to uh, hear what he has to say. You take that almost like the gospel, right? Because he's out there, he's saying, "Hey, this is what is true." But now yep. he's saying something completely different. And then, then
0: realizes that he contradicted himself,
1: and then clammed up. And then clammed up and wouldn't talk about it later. Well, brother, it's almost 8.30. We've been going at it for quite the damn long time tonight.
0: Yeah, we've been at it a little over an hour, and that's usually how these deep dives go, man, because there's just so much to get into. And if I wanted to, I could have done so much more research and actually brought in a lot of hardcore factual statistics. But that's not what I wanted to do, because anybody that wants to go find that information, it's out there. You just got to be willing to look at it with an open mind. Anything that I've told you tonight or that Drew's told you tonight is readily available information. It's up to you what you want to do with it. Uh, Like I said at the beginning of all of this, it wasn't to make you believe one thing or another. It was to get you to understand that we're being lied to, that we're we're living on a ball. It's not the case. If you don't believe me, go outside, find somewhere where you can see, oh, excuse me, I got the beer burps, find somewhere where you can see 10 miles down the, away from you, and then ask yourself if there's 16 and a half feet of curve between you and that object. Is the earth bulging up 16 and a half feet high between you and that object? And if it's not, then you have to believe that the math that they told you about the earth's curve is wrong. And if the math about the Earth's curve that NASA gives us is wrong, then we're not on the curved, round, spherical ball that they said we're on. And that's all I wanted to get to.
1: Oh, absolutely, man. And, you know, a lot of it comes down to simple common sense, too, uh, with with some of this stuff. Because they talk about the Challenger, and I like the fact that you brought that up, and I just want to loop back to that really quick. You know, the Challenger was one of those things And I I didn't watch it when I was a kid. Uh, I'm a little too, too young for that. But uh, I remember seeing it, you know, later on. But again, the Challenger is one of those things. In that uh, Level With Me documentary, it talks about a photograph that somehow magically was able to be saved and was in Mm -hmm. perfect condition. Yep. From a space shuttle that got exploded this one photograph nasa somehow in the millions of miles of ocean that are out there was able to find this photo and give it back to the brother or i'm sorry the the father of uh the guy that passed come on man
0: who now goes by his brother's name
1: exactly Come on. Yeah, it's it's all it's all ridiculous, man. And that's what you know. The what I loved about uh, Ryan and what I loved about this podcast is just uh, opening your mind, man. Just starting to realize that the shit that you've been told your entire life is bullshit. Yes, it's all bullshit, man. They've One thing that i really
0: to ask Ryan about with him being in Houston was. If the earth is curved at the rate that we're told it is, how come skyscrapers right next door to each other can go up and be completely parallel from top to bottom? How come there's no deflection at the top?
1: Brother, I've flown next to the new World Trade Center in a helicopter, and it, I have no idea why that is. You I've know seen what I'm it. saying? I, I've seen it so, straight up. I Exactly. Why?
0: There, there. These are things that you can look at with your own physical eyes in real time and disprove the globe theory. And that's all it comes down to is you can disprove it. You can, man. man. Well, this has been a really fun episode, brother.
1: It's been a lot of fun, man. I really, and you know what? This is just the beginning of this between you and I, and I think we're gonna have a hell of a lot more fun going into all kinds of stuff. And next time I'm going to do my research a little bit more and have a lot more stuff to talk about. Uh, so I appreciate you uh, hanging in there with me and just kind of going with it off the cuff. It's been well. Fun. See
0: that that that's kind of what I love about you is because that's how Ryan did it, man. He just went off of he had so much knowledge that he really didn't need to look stuff up. I I was always the bookworm. I was always the one that wanted to provide more cannon fodder for the discussion more than just talking off the dome, which a lot of this I did just talk off the dome because like I said, these are things that I've known for years. Right. But, uh, I think we did him get proud on this one, man. Uh, I, I'm really glad that you're here doing with this with me. Um, crystals told me it, pretty much. She's given, given us her blessing and that means a lot to me. Uh, I wouldn't rather do it with anybody else other than you, my friend. I appreciate it, brother. I wouldn't rather do it with anybody else either, man. Yes, sir. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up this episode of the 643 Conspiracy. I'm your, or <laughs> I'm your host, Hank, joined by my co-host, Drew. And we will catch y'all Wednesday for the Midweek Sports Show. We love y'all. We'll see y'all later. Love you guys. Talk to you
1: Wednesday. See ya.